Well, the Lord is good. How's everybody today? If you're happy and you know it, say amen. Good deal. Praise God. Hey, uh, real quick, uh, after this service today, uh, this being the first Sunday of the month, we have our welcome lunch taking place, okay? If you're a regular around here, of course, you already know about it and you've already been. Amen. If you have never been, you're either new or lame. I didn't say that out loud. (laughs) Sorry. No, uh, we have the welcome lunch. I had good intentions when I started to make this announcement. Uh, After the service today, you are invited to come. I want to share with you personally a little bit about who we are, where we come from, where we're going. And uh, that takes place, again, right after the service. You're going to exit here. You're going to go uh, exit the main auditorium, and then you're going to turn east, and then you're going to turn south, and then you're going to turn west, and then you're going to take a a south turn into the place where we have it. Got it? It's just a little rectangle. And uh, there are, there, there's signage along the way. And you don't have to be signed up. We have food for you. Good, tasty, prepared, healthy, maybe, uh, food. And I'll see you there right after service. Come back and, and see what's going on if you haven't been to the welcome lunch yet. Good deal. And uh, hey, let's work real quick shout out as well. We're uh, happy to have uh, Whitley Bohr on now leading worship. And- and uh, praise God, she, uh, over the last week, uh, lots of good things happening already. So uh, just uh, thrilled to have some changes that we believe are God changes. Amen. If you have your Bible with you today, go ahead and get those out or your Bible apps and find the book of Hebrews with me, Hebrews chapter 10. Now in the climate now, we might have to change that sometimes and just call it Hebrews. Just so we don't offend anybody. Hebrews one week, Hebrews the next week. Not really. We'll just leave it with Hebrews. And uh, I have something on my heart to share with you. I want to get in. I believe this will help you and be beneficial uh, to all of us um, today and every day. And so... Uh, Hebrews chapter 10, you'll pick it up as we go. Notice with me in verse 24, 10, 24. It reads, and let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. I want to draw your attention to three particular things that have stood out to me in this verse to share with you today. And the first one is this, that according to this passage, there is something called the day. All right. And and if if, if you read a passage and you see uh, something mentioned like that, and it's just called the day, I think the logical approach would be to say, well, what is that? What, what, what day is that when it's just called the day? But apparently, the, the believers in the early times of the church, both those who wrote and those who read, 
they understood when something was called the day, otherwise you wouldn't just say it that way. You'd always have to explain, like just like we have phrases that are uh, normal for our time, a different time you might have to explain. They knew what the day is. If you're a Christian, you should also know what the day is, yeah? And if you don't, well, I wanna just go into this a little bit, um, but this day uh, does refer to the day of the Lord's return, okay? And it is approaching, we're getting closer and closer to it each day, and something about this, the day, is, is that it is a specified period of time. It is an event, okay? It's not something that continues on and on or happens repeatedly. It is a one-time specific event that has not happened yet, but it will happen, and then it will be done, okay? This day is of such significance that there is much writing about it, and everybody, Old Covenant, knew the prophets, they spoke of this day that would come. Amen. Some will say, well, where is it? Well, it hasn't happened yet, but once it does, it'll be in the rearview mirror. And we'll be talking about that day. And what we don't want to be, what we don't want to happen is for us not to even know about it and to know what we're supposed to do to get ready for it or have any, any concept of the day. They knew we should know about this day. Amen. In other words, I don't have scriptures that talk about the day after or necessarily the day before. Those days are not as significant as the day. And if through all of history and really just through all of our lives uh, where we live many days and there have been many days in history and there are many days, I don't know how many to come, if all the attention is given to one day, that must be a pretty big day. This is a pretty important time. Peter wrote about, about this day in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 and 4. He, he, he said, knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lusts, and saying, where is this promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Okay, so listen, he's explaining to us how people are going to talk about this day, how people are going to talk even about others who believe in and, and, uh, and talk about the day. He said people will come mocking. They'll come scoffing. They will, they will mock this whole idea that, that everything has been as it is, and then one day, everything's going to be different. They just kind of mock the whole notion of that. I want to make mention of this, though. There wouldn't be any scoffers. There would not be any mockers if we're never talking about it. If he said, in the last days, there are going to be people mocking this, then that must be an indication that in the last days, more and more people are talking about it. And we ought to be talking about it. We should be. It's the Lord's will that we talk about it. But if no one's mocking it, then we're not doing enough talking. If no one's kind of making fun of you for, for talking about this, this monumental event that's going to happen in a moment, one day it's going to happen, you might want to step your game up have a little injection of the day into your conversation. 
but also we can see that because others will mock the idea uh, that there could be a temptation within us to not really go there mentally, to not really uh, truly have belief, strong inward conviction that any moment, any day, everything is gonna change. We could be at fault if we live our lives with the notion that it's just everything's gonna continue, 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 on and on, no major interruptions to life as we know it, because that's not correct. Now, I don't mean that in the Hollywood sense. Uh, I'm all for a good movie, and I even enjoy, even enjoy some of the movies that, were, that have been made about how you can't live on planet Earth anymore, even though I don't believe them. In other words, there is a notion amongst many today that we are basically going to run this planet out of resources and we're going to have to move to Mars, right? right? <laughs> or, or something because we're, we, we've ruined the planet. That's not going to happen. It's not happening in that way. Say, so, so how, how can you be sure about that? Because of Genesis 6. And, then, and the Lord said from the beginning, he said, as long as this earth is here, there's going to be cold and heat. I'd be all for just heat. I don't know about you, but <laughs> there'll be cold and heat. There will be winter and summer. There will be night and day. There will be seed time and harvest. So this planet is going to keep function for the most part like it has been throughout history. It will continue that way. We're not going to get to a place where we can't grow any of the crops. I saw that movie too. <laughs> and uh, that was fine. But it's not true. Everybody with me? You, you can say, ah, that's great. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> it's going to continue. So the, the approaching day is not really, uh, or our mentality about things not continuing is not from that perspective, but it should be from this one, where, where we know there's a day coming where the Lord is going to change everything. Not because we can't survive here anymore. There's just a season that's going to change, and it'll happen in a moment. Now, if we don't believe that or acknowledge that, what are the downsides to it? Well, I think it produces complacency, where a believer just kind of lives a ho-hum no sense of urgency whatsoever. Life is just going to keep ticking by, and so let's just keep living our lives as if we're oblivious to a future event that the Lord said would happen. I mean, I've given my life to the Lord. I've received eternal life and been born again, and thank God for that relationship. But if I believe that, I also need to believe this. Things are not going to continue as they are. I can't, if I could put it on the calendar, I'd give you the day, but most people who do that get, get it wrong. <laughs> uh, uh, but nevertheless, I'm not going to let go of the fact that there is this day of the Lord uh, coming, and I don't want to live complacent. I don't want to live with a lack of urgency. I don't want to have this, you know, there's all the time in the world mentality, or to be my motto. Uh, I, I, there's plenty of time. There's not plenty of time. There's not. You're going to run out of time. That day, I don't want that day coming and going and, and me being caught off guard by it, okay? It is a day, and, and at the same time, you say, well, I, that could be a long time in the future. Why, well, no, but it's a bunch of people's last day is today. 
around the planet, a bunch of people, lots of them right now. It's today. And yours is coming up too. Yeah. And uh, so from a, from a real practical standpoint, everybody's the day is, is not only it's the day of the Lord's return, but it's the day of you standing before him and, and, and leaving this life. But there is coming a time when young and old, rich or poor, no matter what your condition, the day is going to come for everybody. Jesus spoke a parable regarding those who weren't really conscious of the right things. They didn't have the right mentality concerning this. And he told in in Luke chapter 12, in verse 16, then he spoke a parable to them saying, the ground of a certain man yielded plentifully. And he thought within himself saying, what shall I do? Since I have no room to store my crops, so he said, I will do this. I will pull down my barns and build greater. And there I will store all my crops and goods. And I will say to my soul, soul, do you ever say anything to your soul? (laughs) Soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you see, fool, God said to him, fool, This night your soul will be required of you. Then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself and is not, what? Rich toward God. Is not rich toward God. What's he saying here? Is he saying it's wrong to be uh, rich in material goods? No, by itself, that's kind of a, non-issue. He's not necessarily condemning the guy for having plentiful crops. If you read the scripture, that's a blessing from the Lord, right? But what the problem, what separates this guy from wise people, what makes him a fool is that he's not rich towards God. And I tell you, as much as you may have materially or much as you may accomplish in your life, many good things that, are, that, that have happened or will happen, this is the primary focus should be in all of our lives. The fool is not rich towards God. The wise person recognizes everything else is temporary. Everything else serves a, you know, serves a purpose, hopefully a good purpose, but being rich towards God is the most important thing we could ever attain to. Yeah. But if someone is... If someone is not rich towards God, uh, you know, in other words, their, their, their spiritual life is, is in poverty, uh, this shows me that that's a possibility. Someone can be rich, they can be poor, but rich towards God is the essential thing. Amen. Rich towards God is wise. Yeah? The Apostle Paul wrote about it in, in Colossians. He said, in chapter 3, he said, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let it dwell in you richly. So you could have a small portion of God's word. You could be poor towards God, or you can be rich towards him. Amen. Amen. And, and so that would be a good reflection for all of us today. You know? Many people can pull out their wallet and say, or, you know, pull up their bank account and say, I've got this much money. I've got these assets or non-assets or this much debt or, or whatever it might be. This is, this is my condition. If you were to pull up your, your, your Rich Towards God app, what would it say? You know, 
Would it be in the, in the red? Would, would, it, would it be in the green? And, uh, and obviously that's up to us. This guy didn't have to be ri- rich in the world and poor towards God. He could have been rich towards God. Yeah. And I think that's something we, we, we can and all ought to give attention to is, is our rich standard towards the Lord. You have the opportunity to be that. You have the opportunity to be rich towards God. It's, in one sense, who cares how much money you have? I know we need that in this life, but who cares how much money? In one sense, who cares how much time you have? Who cares how much, how much material stuff you have? Who cares how famous you are? Because in a minute, all that's going to matter, nil. But what's going to matter is our standard, our richness towards God. That's what we carry on. Even if we're saved, we carry our relationship with God into heaven. It's not that we become a new, a new person. Amen. And the, the idea sometimes where, where people think, as soon as I get rid of uh, this debt, then I'm, going to, then I'm going to start engaging more in my spiritual life. As soon as I get the promotion, then I won't have to work so many hours. As soon as my kids, you know, get to, into school, then, or as soon as my kids get out of school, as, as, as soon as I get this, as soon as I get my home paid off, uh, or as, as soon as I take care of this car issue or this present situation, then uh, that, that's when I'm going to start investing my life more into the things of God. Can I tell you something? No, you're not. You're not going to do it. Well, yes, I am. I have a plan. Listen, you are who you are. And I am who I am. No matter how much money I have or how much time I have in my day or how many opportunities or where I come from, I am who I am. And I'm either going to make a quality decision in my life to be rich towards God or I'm going to put him in the back seat and and elevate everything else. Well, again, there is something coming called the day. And that day is going to come And some people are going to think, man, I thought I had more time. Others are going to say, I wished I would have prioritized a little bit better. I thought I had more time to pay this off and finish this and to accomplish this goal in my life because then I was going to start really going for it in God. Then I was going to, you know, be involved in spiritual things. I was going to have a prayer life. I was going to give. I was going to serve. I was was going to make God. But I had to take out these other areas first. How many think on that day? There's going to be a whole bunch of people that say, oh, yikes. I didn't know that was coming so fast. I thought I had more time. Here's the point. You are who you are. I am who I am. Independent of all that I have, independent of my circumstances, independent. I am who I am. And being rich towards God should be right at the top of my, my priority list. You know, I've heard people say, well, as soon as I get this bill taken care of, as soon as I get this financial thing taken care of, then I'm going to start to tithe. Got real quiet in here. Uh, <laughs> can I tell you something? No, you're not. Well, somebody said, well, if I had a million dollars, I would give to the Lord. Stop it. You would not. You'd do the exact same thing you're doing now. Right. <laughs> Some of you would. Some of us would give. Some of us would, uh, uh, would not. Because you'd say, oh, well, I had to pay taxes on it. And then I had, this, I had these other things to pay off. And then I wanted to do this. I wanted, and all that, whatever you put first in your life with an extra million, 
without a million will be what you'll do with a million. Amen. I hope this is okay. Everybody receiving this all right? I just want to encourage you to put the right thing first. Put God first in your life. And uh, there's a day coming. And you've heard it said, but you never see a hearse pulling a U-Haul. You cannot take it with you. I am not opposed to natural material blessings and wealth and riches. The scripture is not. It's a blessing from God. But I'm saying there are too many people who are not conscious of something coming called the day. The day is coming. The day. Here's the second point from this passage. Is, is that we are supposed to see it coming. Remember, he said, as you see the day approaching, we are supposed to not only know it's a thing, not only know that it's important, but we're supposed to see it coming. It should not catch us off guard. Have you ever been blindsided, blindsided in life? said, I didn't see that one coming. Oh, man, that just kind of hit me upside the head. I didn't see it. I think we've all been there. We've been surprised by certain events. Maybe they weren't all positive events and like, wow, where did that come from? Understood, we're limited in in knowledge and in foresight, but I tell you, there is a day coming I don't want to be blindsided by. I don't want anybody to be hit upside the head where they're saying, what, where did that come from? Because this day is of such importance, carries such great magnitude and significance that it is something we never, ever want to be unaware of. Now, now, now if you would, look with me at 1 Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, Paul wrote to them about this, and he said in verse 1, but concerning the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly, I don't want them knowing more than me, (laughs) they know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes, look at the language, as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then suddenly destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman and they shall not escape. So this is kind of a little bit of a scary thing. He said the day is coming and it's gonna sneak up on you. It'll come like a thief in the night. Obviously the intent there, if you've ever been robbed, uh, if, you were, if you knew the thief was coming, especially in Idaho, you'd sit there with your... <laughs> locked and loaded, uh, and the thief would not be successful in in taking your stuff. But what's the idea of the thief? They're going to come when you're not ready, when you're not looking, when you're asleep. They want to come and rob you. He said, this day is going to come like that. And I want you to draw your attention to this. This day of the Lord, very exciting for some of us and very not exciting for others. Okay. He said, he said, sudden destruction. So we'll say, what's the day of the, this day of the Lord all about? Can I tell you? Destruction. Yikes. And so that should be motivation enough <laughs> to, be, to be ready for it. But as a thief in the night, say, doesn't that contradict what you just said about how we should be seeing it coming? As you see the day approaching, yes, it does contradict. And thank God there's a verse four. Amen. I'm glad for verse three, but I'm more happy for verse four. Verse four says, but you, brethren, are not in darkness 
so that this day should overtake you as a thief. He's saying this day is going to overtake some like a thief, like the labor pains. It's sudden and sudden destruction will happen, but not for you guys. You guys are going to see it coming. Yeah, you're going to see it coming. Now, uh, this, this uh, stirs me. I'm happy to know this. I'm happy to know that because I walk in the light, because I have a relationship with God, I'm not going to be blindsided by the most significant day in our future. I'm going to see it coming. Yeah. And I think the closer and closer we get, the more we'll see it coming. You know, uh, in, the, in the Old Testament, we read about a couple different individuals who did not die, but were taken by the Lord. Okay. Uh, one of those is a guy named uh, Enoch. Remember Enoch walked with God. He had faith. He's in Hebrews 11. One day he's walking with the Lord and all of a sudden he's out of there. Pretty cool story. And, uh, and then another person was named Elijah. Elijah, a prophet of God. And he, he had an, a very unique experience because he was training uh, uh, his replacement. Yeah? He was training a guy named Elisha. And I don't know if they did that on purpose to get us to mix them up. It's, all, it's almost kind of like I see these young adults and uh, we have two young adults that help in, in, in worship for young adults and one of them's named Audrey and one of them's named Aubrey. That shouldn't be allowed. <laughs> and they kind of look like they could be sisters. <laughs> You know, in the New Testament, it reminds me of the, the twins, Tryphena and Tryphosa. It's like, what were these parents doing? <laughs> Trying to confuse everyone. But Elisha was Elijah's uh, replacement. But here's what's interesting about the end of that life. So he'd been following him, following him, sticking close. He was a prophet of God. And in, 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 the, in the end, all the what was called the sons of the prophets, okay? They were the ones in training. The prophets were training them. They all knew Elijah was about to go. And they would go up to Elisha and say, hey, don't you know your, your master, as they called him that, he's gonna be taken from us today, that he's leaving today? And he would say, yeah, I know, don't worry about it. Isn't it interesting? He was about to have this experience and everybody knew it was about to happen. That event is a type of the rapture of the church, okay? We have different pictures of the rapture from Enoch to Elijah to Jesus himself going up. All, the, all these things of the church being caught up to meet the Lord in the air, and that's a picture of it. And right before it happened, everybody knew. Everybody knew. And so this is uh, consistent with what Paul's saying. It's gonna be a surprise to a whole bunch of people. They're gonna be caught off guard, but you walk it, you are not going to be caught off guard. This is not going to be a mystery to the church. This is something you're going to be ready for. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Peter used the same language in 2 Peter 3.10 when he said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. So again, I, I want you to notice well, by the way, that's global warming right there. <laughs> I believe in it. The earth is going to be burned up, so it's serious. But I believe in this, that for a whole bunch of people, sudden, shocking, 
I didn't know that, I didn't know that was gonna happen. I thought I had more time. What's going on here? And the day will be in the rear view mirror. But it doesn't have to be that way for us. But even in Thessalonians, what we read, and he said, it's, it's not gonna be this way with you. Two verses later, he, he said in verse six, therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. So he said, this is the way it is. But then he gave them an exhortation. His exhortation was, don't sleep. That's something I need to do. Others will, others will sleep concerning this. You don't sleep. So I know that I'm supposed to see this day coming. It kind of looks like I could have the opportunity to not see it coming. I could fall asleep. Have you ever been uh, preparing for a trip, maybe a vacation or some, even a business trip or something where you, you had to catch a flight in the morning? And, uh, and, and so you were packing and you were uh, going through your checklist to make sure everything was taken care of, both in your packing and, you know, the dogs taken care of and the thermostats and, and uh, you're just getting everything ready. And because you're uh, you're, you're preparing, you know, maybe even late in the night and you have this early morning flight and you think, well, I need to get some good rest before this big trip and then you can't sleep. Yep. <laughs> and it's all the things that, because you know, for one, uh, that plane is going to leave you in the terminal if you're late. Has anyone ever experienced that? Yeah. They, they're just going to take off without you. And, uh, and so you do everything you can. You know, I cannot be late. I must be prepared. I must be ready because the day of my trip is coming tomorrow. Yeah? And, and if that's the case, that with something that is far less significant than what we're talking about, but it is still a defined moment and event you must prepare for, and if that type of event can keep us up, keep us from sleeping... How much more should the most significant, a spiritual event, a major day in all of our of, of history in God is about to take place, should that keep us awake? Now, what I'm not talking about is that we can't get a good night's sleep anymore because this is a spiritual, I almost want to say wokeness, but that means a whole bunch of other things now. <laughs> We want to be spiritually awake, yeah? If we see the magnitude of this day, we know about the magnitude of this day, if we can see it coming, we might not be able to put our finger on the day or the hour on the calendar, but we can see it coming. If we can see this coming, it should keep us awake. And I'll tell you what, if you find yourself or you know someone spiritually in slumber, asleep, they are not aware of the time. They are not conscious of the day. They do not see the day approaching. And this is what he said would be the case. We must pay attention and not act like the others. Praise God. And the third one is this. The third thing I see from this verse is that this revelation should affect our behavior. 
There is a day, there is something called the day. We are supposed to see it coming. And that seeing changes how we live. It changes what we do. In fact, the more we see it, the more we will do the right things with uh, uh, the right things in our lives. And the more we do the right things, the more we're going to see it. It will become clearer as we do. And so, you know, we're instructed to do the word of God all the time, right? Uh, we really, we shouldn't be like taking days off. Uh, we, <laughs> you, don't, you don't set aside the word of God because you're busy, right? I mean, you don't do that, right? Uh, you don't set aside the things of God, church and worship and prayer because you're busy. Because if you're busy doing something and that's being set aside, you need a slap. Yeah. I mean... I mean, in a good way, you know, spirit of slap. <laughs> uh, we don't do that. We're, we're supposed to do this, this word all the time. That would be a good life. We've all failed. I understand that. But we're supposed to do the word all the time, whatever the Lord says. Okay. But the scripture here says, do it much more as you see the day approaching. The more you see it, do it more. The more you see it, do it more. What's happening is pressure is being turned up on the earth, in part because Satan is running out of time. And, and, and Revelation uh, chapter 12 and verse 12 says that he knows his time is short. So he's turning up the heat. And you can see this. This is one of the indicators. I know it's not concrete because there have been tumultuous times in history for sure, but, but you can see the, the pressure being turned up on the world right now. People are freaking out like never before. There are many, many obstacles and many tumultuous situations. The devil knows his time is short, so the pressure is increasing. Now, here's what's going to happen during this, this pressure moment. Some people are going to pray more, and other people are going to pray less. Some are going to draw near to God. Some are going to shrink back and fall away from him. And I say this, I'm basically giving you scriptures. Is this a warning? Yeah. Is it also an encouragement to draw near? For sure. This is the, 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 the description of our day and what the pressure is going to do. But we are told to, like I said, increase in certain activities as we see the day. I see it. What do I do as a response to that? If I don't do anything in response to it, I, I kind of wonder if I really see it. Yeah. But he listed there in Hebrews, when we read from chapter 10, he, he listed these items. He said, the more you see the day approaching, here's what you're supposed to increase. This is what we're supposed to increase in. We're supposed to consider one another. We are more considerate of each other. We are less self-centered, less self-focused. We are more others-minded. The more you see the day approaching, think about someone else. In other words, if, if I am just taking care of my business, my stuff, my, my suitcase, you know, my, my preparations then I'm not ready for that day. But if I am more considerate of other people than ever before, 
it shows me I have God's heart concerning that day. So I'm busy, I got stuff to do, I got a few things to finish, quit. Be the ball. (laughs) Be the person. It's not just an activity, it's who you are independent of the pressures, independent of life circumstances. Be the person and increase in consideration of others. He said, stir up love and good works. Stir up love. That means right now, closer we get, this is always true, but more now, don't hold unforgiveness towards anybody. Don't be mad at people. Don't let yourself be hardened. Don't let yourself be embittered towards others' behaviors. Well, they did me wrong. I get that. That's a whole, that's a whole thing right there. The more you get closer to the end, wipe it out. Forgive them. Look for opportunities to bless people, even those who hurt you. Amen. Stir up love. Good works. What can I do? What can I do for you? Hey, you need anything? You need anything? Can I get anything for you? You need anything else? Be so others-minded. I want to love them. I want to serve them. I want to do good things for other people. This gets you ready for the day. You don't do this, the day is going to be a shock to you. What? It's here already? What? But we're doing these things? Yeah, I'm like the sons of the prophets. You know this is coming, right? This is about to happen. This is it. This is the day we've been waiting for. Here it is. We've been talking about it our whole lives. For generations, they've been talking about it. And it's here. I want to be one to see it. He said, not forsaking the assembling of yourselves. What's he saying? The more you see it, the more you get together. I realize that's a contrast. That's kind of like a strange word right now when the encouragement is to separate. And the word says, the closer you get, the more you need each other, the more you need to be together, the more you need to uh, gather in his name, that should increase, not decrease. Amen. I'm just saying, you know your life, you know what you do with your time. This is supposed to increase, not decrease. All right? And he said, we should be exhorting one another. We, that means, that means we, we call near in exhortation. It means we invoke. It means we invite. We're being on the offense. We're being assertive. We're talking to people. We're looking for the leading of the Lord. But we are talking to people. The reason the enemy is stirring up stuff, how much stuff, he knows he's out of time. His opportunity to attack is running out. So he's gonna turn up the pressure I think the appropriate response is I'm going to turn up the pressure too. What do you mean? I'm going to make a demand on heaven. Hey Amen. What do you mean by that? I'm going to make full use of what my father has provided. I'm going to draw near. I'm going to encourage. I'm going to walk in love. I'm going to forgive. I, I'm, going to, I'm going to do all, all these things that I'm supposed to do at all times. But I'm, I'm going to turn up the volume in these things like never before. The times are too serious to let someone else drift away. So let's not let anybody drift away. Maybe there's someone here that you should be talking to today. I mean, you've been thinking about them. You've been thinking of calling them for a month. And you haven't. And we do that sometimes. We put things off, put things off, put things off. But maybe the more we see the day approaching, we start putting things on, putting things on, (laughs) putting things on. And we start having a greater sense of urgency and saying, you know what, I've been waiting to do this. I'm going to go ahead and do it. 
well, I've been waiting to talk to my dad all these years, and it's uncomfortable, and I don't know what I'm going to say, and I've been putting it off. Well, maybe you ought to do that today. How many know those who have had a loved one pass away? Sometimes they feel that way. Oh, I wish I would have talked to him. Oh, I wish I would have said what I wanted to say, and now I can't. Well, the day's coming, and this is a not a day for a select few. This is a day for everybody. Maybe there's someone in here you probably ought, ought to talk to and, and say, what do you mean, we'll talk to? I mean, just say hi <laughs> or encourage them. Maybe the Lord will use you, that relationship, to stir them up. Because you know there are people on the edge here. There are some of you solid as a rock. We need you. You are pillars in the house of God. There are others that are kind of shaky. Their relationship with God is not strong like it could be. The way they live their life is, hmm, so-so. And you know what can make a difference in their life? You can. Someone that comes alongside them. Sometimes if you know their business a little bit, you can just tell them, I'm here with you. You're not alone. I'm standing with you. I'm going to pray for you. I'm going to believe God with you. I'm, going to try, I'm here for you. I'm going to help you. You have a friend. Or you have a brother in Christ. You know, you have a sister in Christ. I'm here for you. You know, some people that are, on the, are teetering, teetering on the edge. The enemy's hitting them night and day with thoughts, with temptations, with all kinds of ideas. They're teetering on the edge. Someone just needs to come up along the other side of them and just pull them over and say, we got you. We're not going to let you fall. We're not going to let you drift away. And I tell you, that's God working towards them, but it's through you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Say, well, I'm the one teetering and hope someone comes rescues me. Well, I don't know. I, I hope someone does too. But I tell you, in a public way, we're here for you. We, I'm rescuing you right now with this word from God. And the Lord is saying, come back in. It's not too bad. You haven't gone too far. You haven't drifted away too much. You're still loved. You're still accepted. You're still embraced. Even in the middle of your failure, even the middle of your questions, you have, you have wanderings about this thing and that thing. But the Lord said, I'm still your rock. I'm still your source. And I'll still be with you all the way through. So don't wander away. Don't fall back. Don't fall into the temptation. Stay strong and, and remain. Amen. Amen. And so we're supposed to be together. We're supposed to exhort one another. And I just want to encourage you in this today. Is there someone you should talk to? Someone you could exhort? Someone you could, uh, you know, converse with? Maybe it's someone who's not here. Maybe it's someone you know you've been thinking about. Or maybe it's a neighbor, a friend, a coworker. Or maybe, maybe someone uh, uh, that you know you've been thinking about. Well, the day's coming. And if you're conscious of the day, you stop putting things off. And you say, now's the time. Now's the time to invite. Now's the time to uh, talk to this person. Amen? Praise God. I'll come back and give you more. Oh, it's going to be so good. Thank you, Lord. Here's my series. Uh, As you see the day approaching. Part one. Amen. Father, thank you for working in us today. You're so good to us.